Well, good morning, everybody. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to go next week to Group Link. Small group will change your life. It'll help you in your journey. We are uh, ending a series called Encounter today. For the month of January, we've been, we've been using a verse. Let me just read it to you. We've been using this verse kind of as a theme verse. It says, whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did. And this isn't just saying Moses is the only one that can turn and face God, or you got to be perfect to face God. No, no, if you'll just turn and face God, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you've been saved a long time. How many know we drift? How many know that that you need a, a returning every now and then? Maybe you're a new Christian. Turn and face God. Maybe you've never been giving your life to Christ. Today, I would encourage you, I would challenge you to turn and face God. And when you do, he removes the veil. The veil is anything that hinders or keeps or obstructs your view of God. He gives you a revelation of who he is and what he's about and what he wants for you. If you'll turn to him because he draws near to those who draw near to him, if you'll turn to him, he'll remove the veil, and there you are. You're face to face with the living God. And then suddenly you'll realize And this is what I want for you more than anything, that God is a living, personal presence, that he's not a a chiseled stone, that he's not some God for somebody else, that he's not an idol in some temple somewhere. No, that he wants to be a personal, living uh, relationship in your life and in your heart. But okay, how do I do that? You just turn to God. You turn to God. He'll remove the veil. You take steps toward him. He's already initiated it. He sent Jesus from heaven to die on a cross for our sins. Now we just respond. Turn to him. He'll remove the veil. Personal, living presence. And today I, I, want, I want to talk to you about uh, that God is a talking God, that God is a speaking God. If he's a personal, living presence, you don't need somebody else to have God speak to you. He can speak to you. you if you've turned to face God, he, he can, he, yes, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you how he speaks. He spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke to Noah about the coming flood. He spoke to Moses as he speaks to a friend. He spoke to Joshua and Gideon and David, responded to specific questions that they had. He spoke to Mary about the coming Savior. He spoke to Peter about his prejudice. He spoke to Paul about his purpose. He spoke to John about the future. God speaks through his word, and God speaks through his people, and God speaks through nature, and God speaks through circumstances. God can speak through your pain this morning. God speaks through his spirit, and God can speak through prayer. If there is a pattern in scripture, it is that God is a speaking, communicating God. He is a living, personal presence. He's available. He's approachable, and he stands ready to talk. Here's what Dallas Willard said in a book called Hearing God. He said, if God does not speak today, the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. I tell you that every week. You, you can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And if you're in relationship, he'll speak. Here, here's, how, here's how Jesus said it in John's gospel. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. His sheep listen to his voice. If if we couldn't hear his voice, he wouldn't tell us to listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep out by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him 
because they know his voice. Shepherding in, in Middle Eastern countries is nothing like here. Most of our shepherding is in fences and, and you just kind of let them go. In Middle Eastern countries, especially centuries ago when Jesus was on the earth, the, they, the shepherds were very active involved in the life of the sheep. They were the lead. They were the God. They told, they, I, I came to learn that you could have three shepherds that could meet somewhere and all their sheep, different herds, could mingle and interact. They would all come together, just kind of jump together and be apart. And then the shepherds would be ready to go. And all they had to do was their little thing, whatever it is, clap, whistle, yell, whatever. And those sheep would separate and they would follow their shepherd. Why? Because they knew the shepherd's voice. They knew that he was a shepherd that was going to provide for them and care for them and lead them. And, 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 and they wanted to, to follow him. That's how we are supposed to. To be, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. God speaks. It's our, it's our we have to be the one that listens, that, that learns to discern his voice and, and, and learns to commit to following what he's saying. There's a story in Elijah chapter 18 where Elijah was the prophet of God and, and he calls a meeting on Mount Carmel between the false prophets of Baal, Baal means sun god, so these, these guys that worship this sun, and, and, then, and then Elijah who worshiped Jehovah God. And, and, and he called them together and he said, hey, we're going to find out whose God is God. Whoever's God sends fire down from heaven is God. And so the Baals went first, the Baal gods uh, worshipers went first. They built the altar. The Bible says from morning to evening, they screamed, they shouted, they cut themselves. All the meanwhile, Elijah's taunting them. Where's your God? Is he sleeping? Has he gone to the bathroom? Where, why, why isn't your God listening to you? Why isn't he calling to you? After all day long, Elijah steps in and says, okay, enough is enough. We're about to see who God, whose God is God. If you're going to follow Jehovah God, step over here. If you're going to follow the, the gods of the Baal, then, then you go over there. And the Bible says that nobody really even moved. They, they were just waiting to see what was going to happen. And so Elijah rebuilt the altar, put the sacrifice on it, got four big buckets of water, drenched the altar, did it four, did it three times with four buckets where even the trench around the altar was filled with water and said pretty much, he said, Lord, prove to these people your God. And boom, the fire licks up the water, consumes the sacrifice, burns up the rock. The people cried out, surely, surely Elijah's God is Jehovah God. It was a great victory for the kingdom of heaven. Elijah gets goes in a tailspin right after the event. Jezebel, the queen, gets word of what Elijah's done, and she makes a vow that she's not going to sleep again until Elijah's killed. I don't, I don't understand this. You've just defeated 850 prophets of Baal. You've just seen God send fire down from heaven, and you're scared of a woman. I don't, I, I don't, this woman must have been something, but he was saying it, it sends him in a tailspin. It sends him into a state of depression and discouragement and fear and worry. And he gets to a place where he's ready to take his life. And God comes to him and says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Uh, Elijah, I'm about to talk to you. And that's what Elijah needed. God, I need a word from the Lord. I, I need to hear something from you. I, I need hope in this discouraging situation. This woman's after me. I, I need to know that you're still a living personal presence. And the Bible says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in 
the wind. I mean, Moses, uh, Elijah's trying to just stable himself on these hurricane-force winds. And I'm sure he's thinking as he's trying to fight through the wind that this is it, man. God's going to show up. As soon as this wind settles, God's going to speak because that's how he does it. And he's not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The whole ground shook, split the rocks, split the earth. I'm, I would be thinking, Here, this is how he's going to talk to me. God's all the, about the miraculous. He's about to speak in this earthquake. God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. This is it. This is how God spoke to Moses. He used a burning bush. This is how God's going to speak to me. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I, I, would, I, would, I would tell you today that some of us are wanting God to Here's what I hear more than anything. If you would just ride it in the sky, if you would just, if you would just explode it in my heart, I, I, I would present to you today that most of the time that God speaks, it's a gentle whisper. It's not in the remarkable. God's, God's in the ordinary often. He wants to speak into our hearts. And you say, well, why doesn't God, why does he whisper to talk? Because he's near. He's Emmanuel. God with us. He doesn't need to shout. He, he, just needs to, he just needs to speak. God whispers because he's close. The devil shouts his lies, but God whispers his truth. God doesn't shout to get your attention. He whispers to draw you close. So, so I, I, I want to just give you a few ways. This isn't an all-inclusive every way, but there are several ways that God whispers in our heart. The first way and, and here, I just, I just want to, I'm going to tell you personal stories about my life, but this is not about me. I just want to encourage you that if God can speak to me, he can speak to you. If you will turn and face God, he will remove the veil. He is a speaking God. And you are one, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are one of his sheep and he, he is our shepherd and he wants you to follow his voice. He will whisper, he whispers encouragement. He whispers encouragement. When I first came to Clover Hill, uh, we were 27 years old and, and uh, been youth pastoring for five years. And, 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 I, and I came to the service that day, and there were 21 people in attendance. And that was me and my wife and my two kids and my parents and my in-laws. And we invited two couples to come and join us and just support us. And, and I found out on that first day I should have invited more friends and have more family. But, but they voted on us. There was an 11 to nothing vote. And, and, and you know, I, I was... I was excited. I, they offered, they said, we'll give you $400 a month. And, and, and I just said, yeah, let, I'm, I'm thinking. I, I said, I got to pray about it. But I said, in my heart, I'm just saying, yeah, I think, I think this is a God thing. I think it's going to happen. And I got back in my green Plymouth Voyager. We were headed back to Gloucester where we were currently living. And, uh, and, and I just, I, I kind of felt like Elijah, I think. And I was just started thinking, what have I done? You know, this, this I can't do this. I know we're supposed to live by faith, and we're, we, we live by faith, not by sight, but, but $400 a month, you crops don't take faith. They want money. They, they, want, they, want something. they want something for food, and I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm really overwhelmed and thinking, how am I going to take care of my kids? And it was like the presence of the Lord, and there wasn't a cloud. There wasn't, I didn't see a fire by the side of the road. I didn't see a sign in the sky. I didn't see an explosion that lit up the, the atmosphere. I felt something in my spirit, in my heart. It was a whisper of encouragement, and I felt like God said, I love you, and I'm proud of you. I start, I just start weeping. I mean, Angie, all the kids were asleep. Angie was asleep. She wakes up to me weeping. What's going on? What happened? I said, I, I just felt 
I just sense God said in my spirit, we're to move to Richmond and we're to, we're to be a part of that. It, it's, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't a, an explosion. It was the gentle whispers of God. God wants to, to whisper to you words of encouragement. As I was studying for this, I started asking people and reading about people that had, had a whisper from God who kind of spoke to their spirit. There was a lady who lost her husband of 35 years. She got home one afternoon and he took his life, put a gun to his head and shot himself. There were no signs of depression. There was no outward, uh, there was no, I mean, it came to her, it came out of the blue. And, and she said, again, you know, you can only imagine the chaos, the confusion. Two hours after it happened, the police were still there. The paramedics were still there. Her house, they were just going through it. And, and it was just chaos and craziness and confusion. She's overwhelmed. And, and what has just happened? And she said she was headed back to the kitchen and something stopped her. Something, t- it, she said, it felt like I could not even move. And God whispered, I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. It was a whisper of encouragement. He didn't promise the walk was going to be easy. He didn't promise the walk was going to be pain-free. He just promised whatever you go through from here on out, I'm going to walk with you. And when you can't walk anymore, I'm going to carry you. And when you get back on your feet, I'm going to grab your hand and lead you. It's just a whisper of encouragement. God wants to whisper into your heart today. I love you. I'm for you. I'm proud of you. I'm with you. I, I want, here's the deal. Some of you are saying, well, I ain't been a very good kid. I've not been a very good sheep. My kids are not good all the time. They make bad decisions, but I still love them, and I'm still for them, and I still want to see them. Pro- God, he's not, he's not seeing you as you are. He's seeing as you could be, and he's still speaking words of life and hope and encouragement and strength over you. He wants to whisper into your heart. There was a dad that was looking, looking at through a glass, brand-new baby a boy that had just been born. As he looked at that baby, just the sense of of gratitude and appreciation and also fear and kind of intimidation. You know, I'm a kid trying to raise a kid. And as he stood there, he said, he heard, he heard the words of God. As much as you love this brand new baby boy, I love you infinitely more. It's words of encouragement. It's words of life. Here's what Romans 8, 16 says. The Holy Spirit speaks to us That's all of us that are a part of his family that have allowed him to be our shepherd. He speaks deep into our hearts. It's not always a a fireworks show. It's It's not a production. It's in our hearts. And he tells us that we are God's children, that we're his. I was, I heard a story about a group of people at a Wisconsin Badgers football game. And the team was losing, the football team was losing terribly. They were getting beat like they stole something, and everybody in the stands was clapping and cheering and yelling and celebrating. And come to find out, everybody was watching the football game, but they were listening to the Milwaukee Brewers on their headset, and the Brewers were winning, and they were cheering about the Brewers, not the Badgers. And here's what I want to tell you. We're looking at defeat, but you need to start listening to victory. You, you need to quit responding to what you're seeing and start responding to what you're hearing. That God is for you and not against you. That nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no trouble, our hardship, our persecution, our famine, our danger, our sword, our angels, our demons. Nor height, nor death, nor life, nor death. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. It's, it's whispers. It's whispers of encouragement. Here's another thing. He whispers warnings. 
Now, I've probably gotten the most perfect wife in the whole world. And, and I, I really, this isn't even fair to talk about her because there's a lot more junk that I do than she does. But because I'm preaching, that's how it works right now. <laughs> but, but, you know, she, I'm not even going to say struggle. The other two services, you weren't here, and this was much, much easier. <laughs> but sometimes she struggles. And here's what marriage does. It takes a little thing, and it can magnify it and make a big thing. Most people don't separate and divorce because of a big thing. It was a little thing that they never dealt with. The devil magnified it. It was magnified in there, and it became a big... Now, this is a little thing, but it could have become a big thing. But it, she struggles with putting the remote control back where it belongs. <laughs> and and that, I mean, you're laughing, but that's a big deal, man. You can't watch TV without a remote control. She, she can watch a whole Lifetime movie for women and not change the channel one time. I said, Angie, the reason they have commercials is so you can watch two or three things at the same time. That's why they do that. And, and, and she'll, she'll hide the remote. I don't think she hides it, but I just can't find it. And I just, the other day, I mean, I was just not again. She's, I want to just watch the game, and I can't even find the remote. And I just want to go, where is the stinking remote? And I heard something in my heart. <laughs> Deep in my heart. It was like, shh, don't go there. You say, well, that was just you. No, I wanted to go off. Well, that was the devil. No, the devil's trying to divide us. That was a gentle whisper of warning. Stan, it's not worth it. It's not worth getting an argument. And I'm, I'm, God whispers that stuff to her. I was at, not long ago, I took my dog to the vet. And, and she's, I'm, I'm t- I make a lot of jokes about my dog if you've been here for a long time. But I do like my dog. I don't love my dog, but I like my dog. And, and I'm not sure if she's going to heaven, but she's a pretty good dog. We've had her for 14 years. Angie brought her home when she was six weeks old. They were at a ball game. They got her out of a box. And she's been a good dog. But she's old. And she, can, she, she can't hear. She, can't, she breathes loud. She's got these bumps all over her body. She gets up in the morning. And it is like, it takes five minutes for her to get I mean, it is like, and then we have two little stairs. She can barely get, it's just bad. And, and, uh, and, and, and. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I tell the kids, she's, she's 14, so that's like 90-something in human life. She's an old dog. She's had a really good dog life. And so I go, kids, I don't think she's healthy. I don't think she's feeling good. I'm going to take her to the vet, and there might be a good chance, you know, she might not come home. And, and so they say their goodbyes, and, and, and I prepare myself, and I, and I get to the vet, and the, and the guy, you know, you walk through the door, and they charge you like 200 bucks. I mean, just to open the door. And then you get back there, and, and he checks her lungs out. Oh, she's got great lungs, and checks out. Oh, she's got a great heart. She could live for five more years, but, but, but you need to get her on this wellness plan, and it's only $400 a month, and those teeth are so nasty. We'll brush them for $300 right now, and then you need this. Med- Here's a prescription. You give her, it's $125 a month. You give her this pill every day, and she'll start feeling a lot better. Listen, that's not what I wanted to hear. I'm not going to tell you what I wanted to hear, but that is not what I wanted to hear. And, and, and I, could, I could not go home and tell my kids that the doctor said she was great, but I decided to, you know, 
I'm not even going to say it because I don't want you to think I'm mean and cruel. But I couldn't go tell my kids that. So, so, so I'm standing in the line to check her out. And, and they always, in the veterinary clinics, they make the floor slick as snot. Have you seen that? Your dog, your dog can't even stand up. I mean, one pull and she's on that, on that slick surface and she keeps falling. And, 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 the, and the woman behind, she's not, she's a great woman. She was just having a bad day, but she couldn't get it together. She keeps running back and forth and she can't get the right stuff. And I'm just standing there. And then Micah will not, he just keeps going, Dad, Dad, what are they going to do to Bailey now? Dad. Dad, he's like this, I mean, he's just got, he must have said dad a hundred times. And I said, Micah, if you say dad one more time. And he looked at me and said, Pastor Stan, Pastor Stan. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready to go off on this woman. I'm ready to just let it out. And I hear this still small, don't go there. It's not, shh, back up. So I back up and take a breath, and she finally comes back out, get me checked out. And she's, I am so sorry, Pastor Stan, for the inconvenience. But I sure have been loving the sermons on Sunday morning. That is a whisper of warning. I'm telling you, if you'll listen, God will, God will whisper to you. He'll help you. He'll, he'll, here's what. Here's what the Bible says in Acts 16. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. I mean, here's the, here's the shepherd we have. That seems like a good thing. I'm going to preach. Hey, guys. And again, he didn't write it in the sky. He didn't, he didn't explode it in some bush. I think it was a gentle whisper. It's not the right time. It's not the right season. It, it's, a, it's just a whisper of warning. And after they'd come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bethania, but the Spirit did not permit them to go there. It was a whisper. God wants to whisper. He wants to keep you out of a lot of junk. He wants to keep you from a lot of stuff that's unnecessary. He wants, hey, sir, you need to quit. Child of God, you need to quit looking at that. You need to get some help in that. It's the Spirit of God just whispering to you. You need to get connected to a group of people. You need to get more in the world. Just whispers of warnings. He'll do that for you if you'll turn to him because he'll remove the veil and he'll begin to speak to you. He whispers direction. If you're about to buy a house, if you're cha- considering changing jobs, if, if you're making any kind of a financial decision, anything, I would involve God in the process because he's our shepherd and he wants to lead us. He, he could keep you from a decision that could set you back from years. Now, I, I'm, not under the, I'm not the kind of guy that says if you make one bad choice, that it ruins everything. God's bigger than that. God's greater than that. But it can set you back for a season. And I'm saying, let's be sensitive to the voice of God and open up our ears and say, speak, God. I want to be, be led by you. When, when we were at Glossy, we were youth pastors. I've been there. I was hired by one guy, and, and he was a great pastor, good guy. We got along good. Two and a half years into my, my, my tenure there, we got a new pastor. The first pastor left, we got a new pastor. And I know I'm talking through my perce- per- perception, and so I don't want to give this guy a total bad rap. You know, there's three, there's, there's three sides to every story. There's my side, his side, and the truth. The truth is somewhere in the middle. But in my perception, the guy didn't like me. In my perception, and I found out later he wanted his son to be the youth pastor, and he tried to get the board to fire me, but they wouldn't. And the straw that broke the camel's back is they had a staff event. I'm the youth pastor of the church, and I don't get invited. And so I'm on the phone with Angie going, I got it. We got to get out of here. This guy doesn't like us. I don't want to be here. This is crazy. And I, I'm, just, I'm just going on and on and on. I'm, 
I'm, I'm living by more what I'm seeing than what I'm hearing. And, 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 I, and, and I hadn't got off the phone with her. And the secretary says, there's somebody on the phone that wants to talk to you. And so I pick up the other line, and it was a pastor of another church. A pastor of a church of about three, 400 people. They had a school of 400 students. And, and, and I was 29, 30 years old. No, I was probably 26, 25 at that time. And I wanted to be, I always wanted to be involved in coaching and teaching and ministry. I wanted it all. And this was an opportunity to do it. And he said, hey, I want you to come be an associate pastor. You can be involved at the school. You can coach some of our teams. You can, you can be over the youth. I'm going to retire in three to five years. My plan is to pass the baton to you. You can take over the church. We've just built a new sanctuary. The potential is awesome. The opportunity is incredible. I'm thinking, this is God. I can't get along with my pastor. This is, he, this just answered. And so we go up there and we talk to this guy and and, and I'm thinking, man, it's a no-brainer. I got to get out where, from where I am. And, and I said, just to act spiritual. I knew, I, I said, I'm com- I got it. In my heart, I said, I'm coming. But I said, I'm going to pray about it. And so I, I did pray about it. And again, I was in that green Plymouth Voyager, headed home. A lot happened in that green Plymouth Voyager. And I, and I, I, I heard the whisper of God. It says, not a good fit. It's not, that's all I heard, not a good fit. And I said, God, you, 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 you that ain't right. What do you mean? The place I'm in now is a terrible fit. What do, you, what do you mean this is not a, this is an answer to prayer. This is what I've been wanting to do all my life. Coach, teach, be a part of a church that's growing. Pastor, by the time I'm 31, this is awesome. This is it. It's not a good fit. Angie was praying on her own. I asked her, what do you think? She said the exact same thing, not a good fit. I mean, I was so, but he whispers direction. Two months later, Clover Hill, that's when Clover Hill opened, and I came here, and I couldn't imagine foreseeing. I couldn't have known of the blessing and the joy and, the, and just the, and the good that this has been. And again, God could have worked that out. Don't get me wrong. God, God could have worked that out, but I cannot imagine not being where I am, doing what I'm doing, being in Midlothian for the last 20 years, involved in your life, allowing you to be involved in my life. Why? Because God whispers direction. He wants to whisper to you. He he wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you. Here's Isaiah. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. God is a speaking God and he wants to speak to you. He, he He wants to be a personal, living presence in your life. Here's one more thing. I mean, this isn't all he does, but these are a few things. He whispers opportunity. Remember Paul got, Paul was Saul, and he's on his way to Damascus, and he, bright light, gets blinded. He goes, he goes to the city, and he's there praying, and the Bible says in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. There was a sheep that was following a shepherd that was turned towards God, that was trying to listen to his voice. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. And the Lord told him to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus by the name of Saul, for he is praying. And Ananias starts to wrestle with God. I've heard of this Saul. He's killing Christians. He was even on his way to Damascus to kill Christians. The religious uh, authorities have given him the power to put people in jail. I'm not going to him. I'm not doing that. But eventually, I I don't know how it happened, Ananias agreed. And he went. And the Bible says, so Ananias went and found Saul. uh, It was a whisper of opportunity. He laid his hands on him and said, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up 
and he was baptized. And Saul became Paul, and Paul turned the world upside down. Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. Paul was one of the greatest apostles that ever lived. We know, we know faith in Christ is by grace because of the apostle Paul. And it didn't start with Paul. It started with a sheep that was connected to the shepherd that was trying to discern his voice. And he answered a gentle whisper. And he did what God told him to do. And everything else changed. God wants to whisper opportunity in your life. He'll whisper, give her a bigger tip. Write him an encouraging card. Invite him to church. Ask them if you can pray for them. When God wants you to be an answer to somebody else's prayer. And here's what I mean by that. There are moms and dads right now that are praying for their prodigal sons and daughters that are just believing God that he's going to send somebody across their path to minister to them and to encourage them. When God wants you to be the answer to someone's prayer, when he wants to partner with you to help encourage and lift and strengthen and build someone else, when he wants you to share your story or or share your faith, he'll often whisper into your heart or nudge you in that direction or burn you for a particular person. Give them $100. Tell them how you got born again. Share with them your faith. It's a whisper of opportunity. Karen and Mike Steffari moved to Richmond about 13 years ago. They moved down here to retire, to be close to their grandkids. Karen was looking through the paper one day, and she saw an ad that said foster parents needed. And she didn't see a, no fire, no, no, no fireworks, no wind, no earthquake. All she heard, you need to do that. A gentle whisper, you need to do that. And so she followed the voice of God. She got certified. She went through the process her and Mike did. Over the past 10 years, they have fostered 19 children. One of them adopted. 18 of them. 18 of them are back with their parents, are in a permanent home. 19 kids' lives have been changed. Their futures have been redirected. There's hope for them. There's a chance for them. There's a purpose for them. How did that happen? One woman who had turned her face towards God, who was committed to listening and hearing the shepherd's voice, obeyed him and stepped out in faith. And now God has used her. They're working. Their last placement had three little kids, I think. And the mom regained custody. She lives in government housing down in in the city of Richmond. And the woman is so open, wants to change and, and wants to be better. It's three generations of poverty she's been a part of. And her prayer is, I want to break this cycle of poverty in my kid's life. And so her and Karen are still meeting. Karen went to a church in that community where she could get to easily and introduced her to the pastor. The church has gathered around her a group of people that can speak to her concerning her finances and help her get a job and help her in her parenting skills. I mean, this, her, this generation, it's going to be changed by the power and the grace of Jesus. And because one person opened their ear and listened to a whisper of opportunity. God wants to whisper encouragement. God wants to, he wants to whisper warning. He wants to whisper direction. He wants to whisper opportunity. I have cousins, we go visit them. When I was little, I was probably 10 or 11 years old and they were in their 18, 19 and they were very gifted musically. And and they, they could listen to a song on the radio and they could sit on the piano and think around for a few minutes and then play it like they'd been practicing it all their life. 
and playing it all. I, I mean, I, if, if, I, I didn't get mom. How, did, how, are they, how can they do that? And she told me, she said, they, they, they gifted, they have an ear for music. But she said they've also developed that ear for music. I want you to know when you got born again, you got an ear for the voice of God. You became his sheep. You, your ears automatically, because of the living personal presence and because he's a talking God and because he wants to walk with you and communicate with you, you got ears to hear. But those ears still have to be developed. They, have, they can get, the voice can get stronger, it can get clearer. It can get better. Okay, help me. Let me give you a few things. Again, this isn't everything, but it's a few things. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want to develop my ears. I want to hear. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the prophet. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. God wasn't talking much. One night, Eli was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. You know what the lamp of God represents, signifies? The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to better develop your ear for God's voice and and God's heart, you got to stay in God's word. He often speaks through his word. Here's how it goes. I'm I'm feeling discouraged. I'm I'm feeling overcome. I'm I'm feeling fearful. What's going to happen? How's this going to work out? God will speak into my heart. God's, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. May, maybe I've messed up again, and I'm, I'm under my own self-condemnation. And the Spirit of God will whisper in my heart, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That though the righteous man falls seven times, he'll rise again. If you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When, when I'm going through something, I don't know what to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because I put something in, God can pull something out. He often uses his words, to sp- his word, his Bible to speak to us. And there's moments where you don't have time to go and say, well, what does the word have to say? Where you just got to allow what you've done in the past to speak through you. Here, if you want to better develop your ear for God, you got to be in his book. You got to read his Bible. You got to listen to it. You got to spend time on it. You got to meditate on it. You got to memorize it. That will help you develop an ear for God's voice. And Samuel was lying in the house of the Lord. You know what the Bible says? They that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. You, you, you want to better develop your ear for God? Be a participant. Be committed to the house of God. Make it a priority. There's something about the people of God getting together. And I thank God for online. And I thank God that we're able to stream this for people that are sick and have to work and can't, can't be here. But if you can be here, you need to be in the house of God because where two or three are gathered in his name, I'm in the midst of them. There's something about getting and connecting and being a part of God's house that can help develop your ear for his voice. And where the ark of God was, you know what the ark represented? Represented God's presence. You want to develop your ear for God, get in his presence. We talked about it last week. One of the best ways you can get in his presence is by worship. The Bible says in John 4 that if you're going after God, start worshiping him and he'll find you. He inhabits the praises of his people. Here, here, you want to, God wants to speak. You want to develop your ear? Stay in his word. Commit to, commit to the house of God. It matters. 
draw close in worship. Samuel started hearing God's voice. He was in his word. He was in his presence. He was in his house. Couldn't, couldn't articulate what was really going on. And Eli told him, hey, next time you hear that voice, I just want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Hey, here's what I'm asking you to do. If you want to develop your ear, you already got an ear for his voice. You want to develop it further, get in his word, be in his house, draw close in worship, and open up your heart. Lord, speak. Lord, speak. When you wake up in the morning, I would say every day, Lord, speak. I'm listening. I need a word of encouragement. I need a word of direction. I need a word of wisdom. I need a word. I need a word of, of opportunity. God, I want you to speak to me. Speak. And then here's the last thing. You're going to develop this here. Stay in God's word. Commit to God's house. Get in his presence. Open up your heart. And decide to follow it. Commit to obeying it. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The more you follow, the more you'll you'll hear. You can stiff arm the Holy Spirit, and and you can get to a point where you're not listening, where you're doing your own thing. And again, God can change it, but it gets harder and harder for you. The more you obey, the more you follow. And at first, if it's something new to you, you need to confirm it with God's Word. You need to, you need to, you need to, uh, pass it off somebody that's been with Jesus for a long time that, that can kind of help you discern that. But, but you need to know God wants to speak, and if you'll follow it, he'll continue to speak more and more. Here's our key verse. Let me end where I started. Whenever, though, they turned to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil. We turn, he lifts, we encounter face to face. We recognize that God is a living, personal presence. He's a speaking God. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. He's not a piece of chiseled stone. He's not an image in a temple. He's a God that wants to walk with you and talk with you and be with you and help you. He is a living, personal presence. Amen, everybody? Stand to your feet with me, will you? I want you to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me right now? Lord, open our ears. God, I say speak. Your servant is listening. God, we don't want to know you as somebody else's God. I don't want to know you as a narrative in scripture. I want to know you as personal living presence, Jesus. What's the Lord saying to you this morning? Maybe he's saying quit. Maybe he's saying go. Maybe he's saying surrender. Maybe he's saying stop striving and start trusting. Lord, we open up our hearts to you and and our ears to you, and and we say, speak. Maybe he's saying, quit running. Maybe you're here today and you've been running from God. Maybe you're here today and you've never committed your life to God, and maybe he's saying, today's the day. If you'll listen to his voice and respond to it, you'll be better for it.